Welcome to this episode of the For the Kingdom, Not the Brand podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about the value of sitting under solid preaching. And this is a topic that I've mentioned before in the past when I was doing my freshman year recap. Um, it was when I first moved to Wisconsin where the Lord led me to a church where I was able to sit under solid preaching twice a week from the pastoral staff with one sermon affiliated with the college ministry on Thursdays and the other on Sundays. As I've mentioned before, when I first heard the sermon on that Sunday, I was quite hooked. Now, I, I recognize now looking back that the sermon I listened to the first weekend I was here was the first expository style sermon that I listened to. It, it was over the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, and I think that my soul was truly nourished during that service. It was a deep dive into the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, and much and, and it was very theocentric, and it was just uh, how it was really centered around God. The The application from the, from the text was practical and, and it was communicated well. It wasn't a boring lecture. And the sermons combined with the community in general were just some of the aspects that just led me to keep coming back week by week. And it was clear that the full counsel of God was preached. And plus, I I pretty much agree with all of the doctrinal you know, statements of the church. And for those who don't know, um, I... I guess I kind of affiliate myself in terms of like the, the um, I guess you could call it the Reformed Baptist tradition. And the church that I, term, the church that I currently attend in Wisconsin, it desires to live up to the mantra of, if you cut us, we bleed the Bible. And I think that's a mantra that every Christian in every church should live up to. And, and so I don't think I ever miss a Thursday evening service. I don't think I ever miss a Thursday evening service with Salt Company. Um, although I did miss... Um, one uh, a, a Sunday service, and that was kind of it. I think that was kind of um, a a really bad play on my part because I fell back asleep in the morning, so that was embarrassing. So I definitely learned my lesson though. But I want to go back to my church background before moving to um, I I really want to dive back into my church background before I moved to Wisconsin to highlight why sitting under solid preaching is so important. I know that before I moved to Wisconsin, I attended a popular Wesleyan church here in Georgia. I'm, I'm going to be transparent here and tell all y'all that the first service I attended in that church was my baptism. And I kept coming back because of you know, various aspects, like how the church was like this very beautiful, or the the church, you know, they gathered in a very you know nice, beautiful building. And a lot of the people that I knew from my high school and their families attended the church. You no, know, I, I, I was a acquainted well with the high school pastor at the time and it was a good thing to know him and getting involved in the high school ministry there you know it, it, i would say it was quite awkward as well being there the first few times because i ran to old classmates from my public school days but i think i got reacquainted with them well and they have been really good friends of my time in that church and and i will say ahead of time that the church was massive and i mean massive you know i, I read in a stat somewhere they was in the top 100 list of the largest growing churches in the u.s back in 2010 or 2012 um, and I would say that in, in the baptismal service that I was in, uh, or in the service where I had my baptism, I thought it was odd at first in the first service that I attended that the lead pastor was being broadcasted throughout the, the, the multiple church campuses, but I never really thought much of it. Um, the, the sermon that day was pretty much a gateway for the upcoming Christmas service a few weeks ahead. Um, and, and I began to attend more services later into January, 2021. 
and and it was a quite fun atmosphere during the services i must add you know the light show added to the atmosphere the worship was amazing because i know our our worship pastor at the campus you know, he he had an amazing voice um and the sermons were you know they were generally what i needed at that time you know they were topical when it came to anxiety and also depression and such and and i think that in the season that i was in it was a tough season of doubt a lot of discouragement anger and and pretty much every other you know feeling other than uh joy and peace um and and the church I attended at that time led me to appreciate going to church and being in community. To do, in being in community, um, to where I knew that when I moved to Wisconsin, I would immediately try to find a solid biblical church because I would be moving a ways away from Georgia. In fact, I'd be moving way too far up north for my own good. Um, in the last prayer meeting that I attended in the church campus I was in, some of my pastors and the other members of the church prayed over me as they prepared to send me out to Wisconsin and. Um, I would say that the church I attended in Wisconsin um, also combined with the various questions that I had when it came to doctrine, you know, it led me to search and and really recognize that the church that I used to attend in Georgia was a part of the seeker-sensitive church movement. Um, I would say before going forward that I'm not trying to categorize every single church leader in this movement as an unsaved heretic. Um, I'm not saying that by any means. Many of the Many of these guys genuinely want people to be saved and that is not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination we as christians are commanded and compelled to share the gospel and fulfill the great commission but oftentimes our methods go so far as to completely detract from what the bible teaches us to do um and it was in the latter end of the first in the first semester of college that i I remember going through my devotional notebook uh, to go over the sermon notes from the past, and I just saw the same. I think now looking back, that um, I saw the lack of depth um, and a lot of other issues um, in terms of what was covered in the sermons. And now, even looking back, still like um, I now recognize that a lot of the same topics were covered. Now, much of the sermon spoke of a lot of anxiety, also depression, rebuilding one's life, and having hope for the year. Um, and yes, these are topics that should be addressed in the church because these are tough and heavy times. Um, but the church needs proper depth in terms of the guidance by the pastors on how to address these topics in a biblical way. Um, the, the issue was many of these sermons were often shallow. A lot of these sermons pointed to people rather than Christ even when Christ was mentioned in the sermon, you know, they, they seem to often involve a lot of verses taken completely out of context. There seemed to be so much more of a focus on the emotional experience, entertainment, and visuals rather than diving deeply into scripture with its context, theological truth, and its practical application. And keep in mind, there is nothing wrong with having an emotional experience during a sermon or worship but it should be guided with biblical truth we should worship in spirit and in truth and that goes the same for visuals as well um although i would say that a that a focus on entertainment does not belong on the pulpit by any stretch of the imagination um and I know that when I compare my experience in my former church in Georgia to the church that I attend in Madison, Wisconsin, 
as much as it is hard to say it, it is a night and day difference. Even though the church I attend in Wisconsin is housed in a former trampoline park, the trampolines and rock climbing wall aren't the main attraction on any kind of Sunday. Um, the there there are there are times where the trampolines or rock climbing wall are used as a means of inviting people into the college, um, into the college ministry nights, through a um, through a, a a a night involving the the, the um, um through a open gym night, um, or there there are times where the church has like a community outreach via a a. Um, I think it's called like a jump night event. Um, although no, there's no fancy light show and such during any kind of worship, and there's no fancy tech to show off any kind of visuals or points during a sermon. It's mostly one of the pastors with the music stand as a makeshift kind of lectern, faithfully preaching the scriptures to the assembly. There's really nothing else truly needed in that kind of setting. No, I would say that there are many dangers when it comes to shallow preaching that is often accompanied by seeker sensitive churches and i won't dive entirely eager to, um i won't dive entirely into the seeker no uh, into the seeker sensitive movement since i would probably make this episode have double or maybe even triple the runtime but i can share resources as to why the seeker sensitive movement is un is unbiblical and dangerous for the church body um and and I think that for the gospel has an amazing, um, no, they they have an amazing uh, video titled "Confessions of an Ex Seeker Driven Preacher," and I think that is a very comprehensive video detailing the faults of the seeker sensitive movement through someone who is in the depths of that movement. The very essence of the seeker sensitive movement is based on a false ecclesiology, which is the theological term for the doctrine of the church. Um, the seeker-sensitive movement does not view the church as the body of believers that gathers together for worship and equipping, um, you know, like before going out to witness and make disciples. Instead, the seeker-sensitive church involves heavy evangelism in its services with its goal of turning non-believers that make up a major part of the attending crowd into Christians or at least introduce them to Christianity. Um, as Pastor Anthony Wood talks about the seeker-sensitive model, he says that seeker-sensitivity, guaranteed, will always lead to an impure church. And because of how the services are catered to non-believers, there are a myriad of compromises. Like, like many times, there is a lack of proper discipleship and that it ultimately ends up becoming a week-by-week event or conference that so happens to be on Sunday. And with a lack of proper knowledge of what the church is and how it functions, Pretty much everything else in the church can, can be compromised, and it often reaches the pulpit. And one of the issues of shallow preaching is that the sermon is not theocentric in that God is the center. And the sermon is often centered around people listening in. You know, scripture is often taking a back seat with the pastor primarily using humorous stories to demonstrate a, a truth or to show how the listener or viewer can redirect their life. You know, there there are some snippets of the true gospel there, but oftentimes it is a therapeutic gospel or a self-help kind of gospel. Oftentimes it might just even be pseudo-religious commentary on, on political issues based on the personal opinions of the pastor preaching that Sunday. And I'm not saying that this was entirely the the things that happened in the church that I formerly attended here here in Georgia, but 
Um, this is a problem in various churches that are part of this movement. Um, the, ve- the very basis of what I'm trying to say is that um, it entirely encompasses what a pastor is not supposed to do when he's at the pulpit. Um, I, I will also say that a topical series or topical sermons in general aren't wrong per se. You know, in, in the church that I attend in Wisconsin, we we underwent a topical series t- titled "Sent," partially because it seemed like every week for a month straight, we were continually sending people out for mission work, church plants, um, uh, seniors graduating, etc. Yet the pastor still expositionally went through the Great Commission. Um, as outlined in the book of Matthew, verse by verse and phrase by phrase. You know, I, I, I agree with Pastor Anthony Wood with the issue that the same seven or so topics are covered continually on repeat, especially within the secret sensitive church, you know, thereby ignoring the whole counsel of God. As, and as he says, uh, the sermons are essentially nods to God, um, and, and, it's, and they tend to have a focus on appeasing those who aren't genuinely born again within the crowd that meets on Sunday. Another problem with shallow preaching or unbiblical preaching in general is that it does not properly raise up men in the life of the church for the work of the ministry. You know, Steve Lawson, you know, he, he, he really makes it clear that many of these sermons aren't a good model for young men who desire to go into ministry. Not everyone being called into ministry can give social or political commentary. Not everyone has humorous, humorous stories about their kids or friends. That, um, no, no, these stories often use as, as a means of illustrations or the main theme around a sermon. Um, I would say that, in fact, I kind of fell into the trap of copying the seeker-sensitive style of preaching as well. And now, the first sermons that I ever gave were in a D group that I led during my senior year, uh, full of sophomores and and also freshmen that I co-led with one of the deans in my high school. No, I I had no idea how to prepare a sermon. I had no idea how to properly disciple those guys. Um, in fact, I kind of threw myself in the deep end. Um, I I shared a pseudo devotional style sermon once with them over John uh, chapter fourteen, uh, verse six. And it was technically my first sermon. Let me say right off the bat that it was terrible explanation and application. That is bad preaching. Uh, I had no idea what I was saying, and I am grateful it was not recorded. No, quite frankly, the only thing I knew to talk about then um, was just we were saved by grace through faith. And I did do one decent sermon, which was the second time that I preached in the D group. But as I'm attempting to demonstrate here, I had no real genuine model on how to make a sermon. No, I, I oftentimes had to consult outside sources in order to make the sermon work. And I think that the secret sensitive style of preaching also influenced most of the initial episodes that I made on my podcast. And I'll just flat out admit now that I don't even want to think about the first dozen or so episodes that I made since, you know, I tend to cringe when I think about how I, 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 I also prepare them. You know, I had no clue what I was doing. And I was essentially trying to copy a topical, shallow style of preaching that I thought was right and helpful to those uh, choosing to listen in. Um, and while, while they have helped, um, no, they are certainly not my best work. And, and also we're moving on to the next issue. Now, oftentimes many pastors in training who are sitting under unbiblical preaching 
are not able to fully understand the gravity of the task that they desire. First, to Timothy 3.1 makes everything clear um, and that if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. James also says that teachers come under a stricter judgment. Pastors are instructed to be servants. Pastors are not meant to entertain the gathered church on Sundays. They are told to care for Christ's bride, that is the church. They are told to feed the sheep. They are told to protect the flock from false teaching and stick to sound doctrine. And they are meant to lead the flock well. Any pastorate is not a simple nine-to-five job, and it, and it involves the shepherding of the souls of those under the pastor's care. Now, Steve Lawson explains it very well in that the preacher is the extension of the throne of God to the listener. And I also mentioned a second ago that a pastor is meant to feed the sheep or the bride of Christ, which is the church. And I'll be quick to say that shallow preaching starves the bride of Christ or the flock that the servant, the pastor, is given the task of taking care of. And one of the best illustrations that I've ever heard when it comes to this issue, it was by Paul Washer. And I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to recite it verbatim, but much of the core content will. I would say that it, I would say that it will remain for the most part, and so, so I mean, if I remember correctly, it goes like, I'm imagine a king who goes on to leave on a long journey, and he tells his servant to take care of his bride, and he gives the servant a book on how to take care of his bride. The servant is to follow the book in its entirety without deviating from it by any stretch, and keep in mind that the bride is beautiful but pure and precious to the king. The king leaves, and after years of not being present with the general, um, and after years of not being present with the general population of the kingdom, the people come very, very antagonistic to the king and his bride, and saying, saying that the bride is too old-fashioned and you know, like prudent and such. So the servant gives into worldly pressure and deviates from the book instead of keeping the bride modest, pure, and beautiful in the way that the king ordained her to be. The servant dresses her up just like a prostitute and chooses to parade her around the and chooses to parade around the kingdom for all to see and to attract more people into the kingdom that do not even agree with what the kingdom stands for, namely carnal men. And when that king returns and sees what his servant has done to his bride, there are no words to describe what he will do to, to that servant. And I will add to, uh, to, to that, that. And I think that I will also add to that how that when the servant deviates from the book that the king gives to him, the, the, the bride is also left starving because she's not nourished through what is being stated and explained in the book. And that bride has to go to other servants. Uh, uh, that bride has to go to other servants to, to be nourished. And I can go on more and more about how the general congregation is not getting the full counsel of God by diving deep into the scripture, into its full context. The ultimate issue at hand is that shallow, unbiblical preaching is starving the bride of Christ. It is starving the flock, and is a, and it is a sad reality when the true flock only makes up a small part of the crowd. But these sermons are not truly nourishing them in these secret-sensitive churches. I can go on and on with the issues that result from poor preaching, but I want to go forward and just talk about the beauty of sitting under solid and also biblical and expository style preaching. You know, it is it is essentially the antithesis of shallow preaching that is so prevalent 
in seeker-sensitive churches. And you will notice the difference between the two. It is a night and day difference. And I agree again with Pastor Tony Wood that there is no superficial kind of manipulation when there is solid preaching. There's no one, no one is trying to play the role of the Holy Spirit. And there is a recognition of God's sovereignty and also conviction and salvation. Now, the sermon is theocentric and the gospel is preached. There's no self-help application lecture. When we hear a solid biblical sermon, it is clear that what is right is God and what is wrong is us. We, we, we frankly deserve to take on the wrath of God for our sins against him, but Jesus took on the wrath of God in our place so that we may be reconciled to God through him we can be saved and through the spirit we can be sanctified so that one day we will be glorified with the father in heaven and in, in a message like that you you will notice a difference in the atmosphere of the sanctuary and frankly you can almost hear a pin drop from the other side of the church um and and oftentimes in churches that have very biblical preaching, you know, the sheep are nourished and they flock to it. As I said before, I just kept coming back over and over again because I just knew deep down that I was being nourished and that my soul was being shepherded by someone who knew the gravity of what he was doing on that pulpit every Thursday evening and Sunday morning. And to put it in other words, the pastor was doing exactly what he should be doing. He is nourishing and taking care of the flock that he has been given. Of course, now there there should still be some evangelism in some services. I think there is a consensus on what on what um you know, like in terms of preaching that not everyone in the sanctuary is genuinely born again, but evangelism isn't the purpose of the gathered church on Sunday. It is about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and then sending them out to their communities, other cities, other states, other countries, and other continents. And because of solid preaching, the believers within the church are genuinely equipped with, with a true gospel to be sent out to witness. And, and, and it is more than just, you know, the gospel is more than just five steps to, rest to restructure your life through Jesus. No, there, there is a zeal for the fact that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. There is a healthy urgency to bring men and women to Christ, but it is based on the peace, knowing that God is ultimately sovereign and is the one who truly saves. We do not have to lead someone in some... Um, we don't have to lead someone, I mean, some derivative of the sinner's prayer and then like pat them on the back and say, and then say that they're saved. No, there's this peace and this, and this ultimate kind of recognition that the Lord is sovereign. And another way that the, I think another way that solid preaching benefits the modern church is that it raises up young men in the pastorate. They see the simplicity of preaching when it's not centered around the story from the pastor's past or anything related to pop culture. It is opening a Bible, reading the text, explaining the text, and applying the text. Young men in training um, to take over or add to the pulpit um, in the church or who, 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 who are getting ready to be sent out in a church plant will grow to understand how important the task that they desire is that they are shepherding the souls of the people that they are given, um, of the flock that they're taking care of. 
and they recognize that the good shepherd will return and that they will give an account. And I'll add a final thing that there is often a culture of discipleship that accompanies churches that have solid preaching. And so people are growing in, in their faith in community with one another and, and they're not isolated uh, during their thing throughout the week up until it's time to drive to the building where everyone is gathering on Sunday. You know, my growth in the faith during college was accelerated and, and also facilitated by the combination of men walking alongside me as I began to be plugged in more and more into the local church. I was given the tools on how to walk in purity in a culture that views purity pretty much as a joke. I was given sound doctrine and my hunger to know more about God grew. I wanted to be more involved in the church and my maturity in how to continue working on this podcast grew and I was able to dive deep into topics with proper doctrine. You know, ultimately, I think that the growth began at the pulpit with the leadership of the church that I attend in Wisconsin, recognizing the significance of their calling. Another question might come up of, oh, what do I do if my pastor in the church I attend doesn't preach in a biblical way? No, I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to guide you. If you come across a situation like that, if he is still preaching the whole counsel of God, but only diving into the passage in a, I would say kind of superficial way, set up a meeting with him to like ultimately encourage him and, and also to provide constructive criticism. It might even be the push that he needs to dive deeper into his study as he prepares a sermon. And if it's made clear in the meeting that he also understands his role as an overseer of people's souls, then keep encouraging him and pray for him that he continues to shepherd the flock that he has been given, especially if you're in an area where that church may be the only biblical church around for miles on end. Get more involved in the church and help foster a culture of discipleship as your pastor is growing in his sermon making. Um, if you're in a church where the whole counsel of God is not preached, and it is clear that the pulpit is compromised, and that there's a lack of proper understanding of church growth and membership, then it's okay to leave. I would say that you would not, please do not let a root of bitterness grow. Pray through that situation and gracefully and quietly leave after setting up a meeting with some of the pastors. And please allow them to know ahead of time that you are leaving even still. Pray for them that they grow in their knowledge of what is the biblical church. Well, anyway, that's all I have for you. And I'll catch you all on the next one. Blessings to you. Peace.